Good morning. Good morning. For some of us, we will remember, um, and perhaps some of you won't remember, but for some of us, we will remember back to 2004 um, uh, when the movie the, um, um, the Passion of the Christ came out. Um, and, and in amongst all the controversy, and in amongst all of the, the news articles, and in amongst everything else that was going on about that movie, um, th- there was a discussion that Mel Gibson had. Mel Gibson directed the film, and, 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 and in and through everything that was going on with it, Mel Gibson had a discussion where it transpired that, that the scene that had been filmed where Jesus' hands were nailed to the cross, Mel Gibson had filmed his own hands nailing Jesus to the cross. And, and, and when the reporter said to him, he said, you know, why, why did you do that? Why, why did you feel it necessary to do that? Mel Gibson said, first and foremost, because what I was trying to do and in, in, in filming this, in, in, in filming the, the kind of final hours of Jesus' life, what I was trying to do was to demonstrate to everybody that all of humanity is responsible for the death of Jesus. But when the reporter pushed him a wee bit more and said, but why did you feel the need to, to, to use, to, to film your hands nailing Jesus to the cross? He said, it's because I am responsible for the death of Jesus. In terms of culpability, I am first in line. And this is really something that, 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 that as we look at Isaiah chapter 53 this morning, we see that this is what Isaiah is saying to us today as well, that realistically each and every single one of us bear the responsibility for Christ's death. Not, not because we were literally there nailing him to the cross, not because we were literally there shouting that we wanted Barabbas freed instead of Jesus, but given our sinful nature, we see throughout what Isaiah is saying to us that we might as well have. And we all realize this morning that we have it within us, we have the capacity within us to do that very same thing again. Do you know, as, as we look at Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 to 6, Isaiah... <laughs> She's just so sad, it's her last Sunday. Isaiah writes in chapter 53 as if we were there. He writes um, in his account of the punishment of Jesus as if we were there, because in truth, each and every single one of us were there. It was our guilt that required Jesus' death. So, so as, as we look at our passage this morning, we see that each of us is, in effect, standing at the foot of the cross, looking up at our only hope of salvation. And we see that these verses in Isaiah 53 describe and convey and, 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 and um, outline the gospel um, pretty clearly. If you were sitting beside a non-Christian today, or if you were having a conversation with a non-Christian, and they said to you, um, um, do you know what, Ali, point me towards a, a passage of Scripture that outlines the gospel clearly and concisely in a way that I can understand. And yeah, I may want to point them to one of the, the, the four gospels, to Matthew, or Mark, or Luke, or John, but actually I could equally point them to Isaiah chapter 53 and to verses 4 to 6, and we can see the fullness of Jesus' death on the cross displayed for any and all who want to look. And we see that Jesus went to the cross, that he went to his punishment willingly, he went obediently, and he went savingly. And as we get to grips with this this morning, I hope, God willing, that it's only through, um, um, that we'll see, sorry, that it's only through Christ's death that each and every single one of us is brought to fullness of life. Because we see the good news of the gospel on display for any and all who choose to see it here this morning, and we are reminded that none of us, by our presence here, 
is any better or any worse than anyone else before God. This is what Isaiah is saying. Do you know, and we could easily leave the sermon here this morning and say, really, that's that, you've got all you need to know, and therefore we can, you know, wrap it up now and we can all go home. But Isaiah goes on and says more than this, so we won't leave it there. Because as Isaiah goes on, he demonstrates to us that Christ took the punishment that we all deserved. And as he did so, it was in, order, it was in and through the breaking of the Son of God that, 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 that do you know, this was the means, this was the, the only means by which our relationship and by which our position and our status before God was able to be fixed and able to be repaired. At its foundation, this is what Isaiah is saying to us. And I hope and I trust this morning that as we look at these verses, we'll be granted an insight into the fullness or, or into a, a kind of sliver of the fullness or, or, or we'll grant some kind of flavor of the enormity of, of what took place on our behalf, of what was undertaken by the God of all the universe in order to save and redeem a people who actually deserved none of it. Do you know, I, I mentioned a few moments ago that Christ went to the cross um, obediently, willingly, and, and savingly, and, and it is under these headings that we're going to examine um, in our passage this morning. So first of all, we see that Christ went to the cross willingly. And, and, and very often we can read the, the, the gospel accounts, we can read um, um, Matthew or Mark or Luke or John or whatever, and, and, and we get to the point of Jesus' trial, we get to the point of his crucifixion, and we can sometimes adopt a picture of Jesus kind of being, being bustled along towards the cross, you know, as if he's somehow not in control, as if he's somehow um, um, lost a grip and lost a handle on reality and is just a victim of circumstance, that he was perhaps in the wrong place at the wrong time. And in fact, if this is our view this morning, or if we've ever held this view, then actually we have an entirely hopeless view of our Savior. And I really mean that when I say that. I really want to underline that, you know, when I say that we have a hopeless view of our Savior, because that's the kind of Savior who is carried along by circumstances and who's carried along by, by the powers that be. But Isaiah tells us in verse 4 that, that, that he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. And when we read that in verse 4, we see that um, the, 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 the description of what happened, the description of what he did is active. It doesn't say, you know, our, our pain was put on him and he suddenly found himself bearing our suffering. It says that he took up our pain and he bore our suffering and he did these things willingly because if he hadn't, then he could never have achieved our salvation in its entirety. I, I asked Alan to read um, the first 10 verses of Hebrews chapter 10 because we see again in, in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4, we see that um, the, the writer of the Hebrews um, says, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And it was impossible because bulls and goats and the various animals and the various sacrifices outlined in the law, these animals and, and, and these things all went to their death unwillingly. The sacrifices and the burnt offerings demanded by the law simply act as a, as, as a, as a buffer from the full effects of God's wrath and judgment. They were simply, a, 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 again, as the writer of the Hebrew says, they were simply a shadow of the good things that were to come. The unwilling sacrifice of bulls and goats were not and could never have been a permanent fix for the sin which affected the people of God. And actually, it could never have been a permanent fix for the sin which affected all of creation. It, it was like a, a sticking plaster over a, a gaping wound. But Jesus came instead as the willing sacrifice and in so doing achieved the things which could never have been achieved through the law. 
And because he was in control, because he knew what he was doing, we see that this is totally true throughout all of Jesus' life and all of Jesus' ministry. In John chapter 10, verse 11 to 18, um, um, I'm not going to read all of it, but, but Jesus gives an overview. He says, I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep. I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and to take it up again. And for many of us this morning who are hearing this, I mean, we might get it. We might understand what Jesus is saying. You know, we might have heard the story of Christ's death time and time again, but, but for those of us who, who perhaps aren't well-versed in this, and for those who don't know Jesus, and those who aren't well-versed in what, all, in, in what it all meant, when we look at a passage like this, and when we look at a passage like Isaiah 53, and when we look at Jesus going to the cross, so often we try and apply the world's wisdom. We try and understand the punishment of Jesus and understand the things that he went through, and, and, and we can't comprehend it. We can't make sense of it. We look at all that happened and think that, that, that Jesus had been abandoned or had been punished or had been rejected by God. Or, and perhaps as some in, in, in our um, contemporary world have put it, you know, it's, um, um, we look at the cross and we see that it's simply a case of, of God the Father um, bringing about some um, horrendous form of cosmic child abuse on his son. And it's just not true. Because when we try and understand this through, through the world's eyes, when we try and understand this through the world's lens, we see that, that the suggestion that Jesus would willingly go to his death for a people who were undeserving of the consequences of that death, when we, when we see that the sinless Savior died, that our sinful souls could be counted free, it's easy to look upon the cross and discount it because it doesn't make any kind of sense. Do you know, we find it morally objectionable. Do you know, firstly, that, 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 that we're bad enough that we deserve the punishment of death and hell. Do you know, we don't like to hear that. But secondly, that someone undeserving willingly died in our place. To the world, the cross and Christ crucified looks like foolishness. Paul says this in his first epistle to the church in Corinth. He says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And so often in the church, I think, we get tied up in knots over the nature and over the, 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 the capacity of what happened on the cross. Do you know, and the, the idea of a, of a sovereign God who is over and above everything, who would um, stoop down so low as to die in order to save us, not, not because he had to, not because he had made some kind of mistake back in the Garden of Eden that meant that the only option available to him was the cross and crucifixion, but because this way was the way and the means of his choosing. The willing sacrifice of God himself on the cross, the pain and the punishment and the rejection and the humiliation that, that really each of us deserved, taken upon the one person who didn't deserve it, this was the means, this was the way by which our condition was rectified and the way by which our course was changed. So we see that Christ went to the cross willingly and we see that Christ went to the cross knowing all of this. And even still, he went obediently. He went to the cross in full awareness of what it would mean and total understanding of what it would involve. He went to the cross and he took our punishment willingly 
And he did so obediently. He knew he was sinless. Do you know, we know he was sinless. We know that he didn't deserve it. We know that he could easily have avoided it should he have so wanted. But it was the Father's will that Jesus went to the cross and died in our place. And in so doing, and and going to it both willingly and obediently, it demonstrates to us the fullness of the lengths that God was willing to go to in order to return sinful creation right back to its right and proper place with God. Because Christ's obedience replaced all that had gone before. Christ was the true and better sacrifice, his life, given willingly, given obediently, given in full understanding of what was involved and what would be achieved. This was the thing that would remove the burden of our own sins and our own failings. Again, the passage we read in Hebrews 10 points us towards the truth of the nature of our sin and the sacrifices which had been demanded through the law to try and keep us from the wrath of God's judgment. In fact, the wrath that we deserved. Because the the, the things that the law set out, these things had become a burden. They had to be repeated time and time and time again, week after week, month after month, year after year. And the constant repetition of these sacrifices, the constant repetition of the things laid out in the law did nothing other than simply increase the burden and increase our own awareness of our own sin. They did nothing other than remind us of how far we were from God. And so, as these sacrifices were repeated again and again and again and again and again, all that they did was made the people long for the one who would solve the problem of their sin once and for all. And Isaiah shows us that that was Jesus in verse 5. He says, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Christ's obedience took the thing that was once our greatest threat, God's holiness and his his constant and continued inability to abide by our sin. It took his justice and his righteousness. It took took the punishment which we were destined for under God's righteousness. It took the pain that we deserve for continually falling short of the standard that God had set. And instead, and willingly and obediently, going to the cross, Christ's death took on the things that we all deserve. And in so doing, we see that God went from being our judge to being our redeemer. The justice and the holiness and the righteousness of God, which at one point would have seen us receive the punishment that we all deserve, this is now the very thing which assures us of our salvation. Because God can't abide our sin. God can't abide our sin. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, he no longer has to. And so we see that Jesus went to the cross willingly. He went obediently, but he also went savingly. Christ's death on the cross is the means by which all of us are saved. Because in verse 6, Isaiah says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and yet the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In going to the cross, we see that all that was rotten in us was put on to Christ. And all that was necessary to make us complete and holy before God was given to us by Christ. Jesus took all of my sin when he went to the cross. We hear this in church, don't we? Do you know Jesus took your sin and he died on the cross so that you could be forgiven? 
But very often when we, when we hear that or when we think about that, we don't think about my sin. We don't think about, about the bad things that, that I have done. We don't think about specific instances in which I have fallen short of the good things that God has called me to. We think about sin in some sort of general sense where um, um, you know, all of humanity is kind of bad and it, it kind of veers away from, from, from the plan and the intention that God had, had, had put in place initially at creation. But what we see here is that Jesus died on the cross for my sin, for the specific instances in my life where I have fallen short of the glory of God. When Jesus was nailed to that cross, these were the things that he were thinking about. Not, not, not saying, you know, oh, humanity, are, uh, you know, they're a bit ropey at the moment, but if I, uh, if I die on the cross, then actually things will be a bit better. But actually realizing that there was no way in which I could come to God because of the things that I had done. And therefore, these were the specific cases that Jesus was thinking about, the specific ways in which I had fallen short, in which I have fallen short, in which I will continue to fall short. This is why Jesus died on the cross. And when we recognize that, when we recognize that that is our position, we realize that there is nothing that we can offer in relation to our salvation, and there is nothing that we can do which can add or subtract to the good things that Christ has done on the cross. Because we read in Isaiah, a few um, chapters on, we read in Isaiah 64, um, what Isaiah says to us, that even the good things, even the best things that we can offer are like filthy rags before God. So we see that we're, we're made right, not through our own acts, but through Christ's. It's not our legwork that, that allows us to, to enter into the kingdom of God, but it's Christ's. In the cross, we see the full and complete appeasement of the wrath of God through the love of God entirely and only by the gift of God that is Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. In many ways, it's difficult to, um, I, I feel, as somebody standing up here, um, it's difficult to convey the fullness of Christ's death on the cross, not only because I'm losing my voice right now. <clears throat> it's difficult to convey the fullness of Christ's death on the cross, <clears throat> of what it meant, of what it means, <clears throat> of how it changes our lives, of why it matters today just as much as it did 2,000 years ago. And in fact, why it matters just as much today as it has done for all time. But in many ways, I think we need to, <coughs> if we really want to understand the cross, if we really want to understand Jesus' punishment and the reasons for it, then we need to be able to understand and grasp and, and have a good grip of the fact that, 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 that each and every single one of us are responsible for it. Because we can't have a clear or full picture of Jesus, of his life, of his ministry, of his death, of his resurrection, of why, those <coughs> of why those things matter, and of the difference that those things make to our lives, unless we're really clear about our own sin. Do you know, for example, if, I, if I've got this attitude today that, that, that I'm not especially sinful, that, that, that Christ's death on the cross was, was not especially for me, do you know that, I know I, I've done some bad things, but really I'm actually not all that bad in comparison to other people, do you know? Really, when Christ died on the cross, he died for all those worse sinners than me. 
Therefore, when we, if, we, if that's the attitude that we have, you know, then, then, then we adopt this position that you know, the cross was not especially important. It didn't make all that much of a difference to the world. But, but if we view ourselves and we see ourselves as being wholly sinful, wholly you know, sh- falling short of the glory of God, then the only way that I can be saved is through Christ's death and resurrection. I'm at the mercy of God's judgment unless I recognize that Christ has the power to cancel my sin and save me from the things that I deserve. But the benefit that we have over Isaiah, the benefit that we have over over Israel, the benefit that we have today in 2020 is that we don't need to wait for these things. The best news for us is that unlike Isaiah, we are not waiting for the Savior to come. We don't have to live a life under constant reminder of our own guilt. We're not having to live in desperate anticipation of the Savior who will come and save us from our sins. The good news for us today, the best news, in fact, for us is that Christ has come and has done these things and the price that we owe has been paid. And he did it for each and every single one of us. Christ thought about you specifically when he was on the cross, when he took the punishment that we deserved. The the hymn that we sang um, um, earlier in our service, Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. This is it. This is the gospel in its entirety. Even though we were responsible, even though our lives were at odds with God, even though our lives demanded the death of Jesus on the cross, he did indeed die on that cross for each and every single one of us, not for a while, not until we make a mistake again and muck it all up, but forever. Each of us stands at the foot of the cross looking up at our only hope of salvation. Because Christ took the punishment that we deserved, and he did so willingly, And he did so obediently. And he did so that we might all be saved. Hallelujah. Amen.